0: This week on the Off the Crossbar podcast. Put your dancing shoes on, everybody. It's time for the playoffs. Mark Matthews sets an all-time mark for assists in a single season. Joey reza blows the American scoring record out of the water. The NLL announces the National Lacrosse League Cup. And the San Diego Seals round out their coaching staff. All that more on OTCB. What's going on, lacrosse fans? And welcome to another edition of the Off the Crossbar podcast here on SoundCloud, NLL Radio, and even on iTunes. My name's Teddy Jenner. Welcome to the show. You can find me on Twitter at Off the Crossbar, or you can email me, jenner at gmail.com. Love. Have conversations with the fans all around the National Cross League um, about everything. Not just the National Lacrosse League. All of lacrosse. To talk all of lacrosse. Uh, The Al-Sherbeski tournament uh, went on this weekend in Prague. Gavin Prout made a dramatic impact. Marcus Holman broke the MLL single-game scoring mark with 11 goals, breaking John Grant's 10. The Victoria Senior Shamrocks started their training camp last night. The BC Junior A Lacrosse League is underway. It is full-time lacrosse season going on right now, not to mention all the conference tournaments going on in the NCAA south of the border. So if you need a lacrosse fix, right now is the time to get it. And it's only going to get better with the National Lacrosse League playoffs just days away. We finally have the East sorted. And by the time we got to Sunday, there was only one thing left to decide, and that was whether Georgia or New England would finish third or first. The Swarm pulled one out in the early game on Saturday. And there was maybe some talk that they were going to get on a plane that night and bomb up to New England so that they didn't have to travel on game day. They did. Eddie Como's suit got lost. He was fined huge by the team. Max fine and a luxury tax, as I have been told. And sources close to the team wouldn't reveal The amount of the fine, but I've been assured that it is a very, very hefty fine as he was spotted on the swarm bench in a golf shirt and jeans. And that is why it's never easy traveling in the National Cross League on game day. All kidding around, Eddie's a great guy. He's got a fantastic name. Uh, Sometimes you got to hold everybody accountable. And the Georgia Swarm are a team that takes their fine system and kangaroo court very seriously. And Coach Ed Como was not let off the hook for having improper game day attire. However, his team didn't let him down as they would have a very impressive performance on Sunday to seal things up. We will get there. But let's focus on some of the games that really mattered. Now, we talked about the Georgia-Vancouver game Uh, With that win, Georgia clinched themselves a playoff spot and that started the wheels in motion. Next up was Buffalo and Rochester in the heated I-90 battle and one of the best rivalries in the National Lacrosse League, two of the longest standing franchises in the NLL. Obviously, Buffalo, one of the originals, The Nighthawks, since the early 90s, have been involved. And ever since those two storied franchises have been going toe to toe. If you've ever played in one of those rivalry games, you know how how intense it can get. And we saw a physical battle from the start, and it went the entire game. Unfortunately for the Buffalo Bandits, they were in a must win situation. And they ran into the red-hot buzzsaw that is Joe Reza The pride of Hamburg, New York, which is about 14 miles from Buffalo, so you can call him a native Buffalonian. He stuck it to his hometown team. And in the process, became the first American to reach 100 points in a national lacrosse league season. He broke the record set by Tom Schreiber last year, and he did it in style. Scott Campbell in over the line. Veteran played with Toronto. Leaves it for Cody Jamison. Now tipping it back over. Eric Fennell. Joey Reseterra scores! High side! And the K-Hawks on a run now for sure. Fifth straight goal. That goal would end up being the winner as the Bandits would reel off four straight goals to get themselves back within one, but a power play empty net goal by Kyle Jackson would seal it, and the Bandits' fate was sealed. No playoffs for the Banditos. So now we knew that Georgia was in, and we knew that Buffalo was out, and Rochester essentially assured themselves a playoff spot. Now the Toronto Rock needed to do their part. Unfortunately for the Rock, they suffered the same fate as the Buffalo Bandits, and this time it was a complete red-hot effort from the Colorado Mammoth offense as they put up 19 on the Rock, including a highlight reel of highlight reels from the human highlight reel, Stephen Keough. Keogh gets a pick from Rue. Trying to find Rue. No lay. Backhand! Short side! come on!
1: Keogh, and we're tied at six. I, hear,
0: I hear John Grant Jr. say it all the time, a backhand shot behind the back just improves your angle. You can see Keo dropping his front shoulder into the defender, winds up, gets Nick Rose stepping out, and that
1: was a perfectly placed behind the back shot.
0: Just another one of those goals scored by Keo, where I am blown away. But that's just the norm nowadays in the National Lacrosse League. We are seeing some ridiculous goals by some of the best athletes on the planet. And it was on full display in Colorado. And unfortunately for the Rock, that was actually that was one of the best games I'd seen all year because it was a back and forth affair. Neither team wanted to go home with the W. The Mammoth coming in having lost three straight. The Rock coming off a huge win in Buffalo the weekend before playing for their playoff lives. And with everything else going on, obviously they didn't know much or most of the results that had happened on that day on Saturday. They just knew they had to go out and win. And they did everything they could. Adam Jones was on fire early. Tom Schreiber was scoring from every possible spot on the floor. But what I really liked was the composure of the Colorado Mammoth. They stayed the course. Even when they were up three or down two, they understood where they were in the momentum of the game. And coming in, having lost those past three games and lost four of their last five, you maybe could have understood if there was that seed of doubt that started to creep in. But Pat Coyle, wasn't going to let that happen. Chris Gill and Dan Stroop weren't going to let that happen. Captain Robert Hope wasn't going to let it happen. And when you thought that maybe the Rock had a chance, it all kind of went away when Joey Capito went on a short man spree and the Mammoths scored four shorthanded goals in the game, including three in the fourth quarter alone. The two by Capito was joined by one by Ryan Benash, but Capito would finish the year with five shorthanded goals, tied him for tops in the league with Curtis Dixon. And it was just an exhibition of aerobatics from Lightning Capito. Scored three goals three different ways. And the Mammoth, would really put the Rock away. And the difference were those, was the shorthanded goals. The Rock came in the game leading the league in shorthanded goals against. They didn't help their stats by giving up four. And the Mammoth would put the final nail in the Rock coffin as they would take it 19 15 and giving us our three Eastern competitors the Swarm, the Nighthawks, and the Black Wolves. But there was one other game on Saturday night. And while it didn't mean anything in the actual standings, both the rush and the Roughnecks want to go into the playoffs on a winning note. But also, Mark Matthews was gunning for the National Lacrosse League record for assists in a season, and it came down right to the end.
2: Waits up. Goes far side for Dan Dawson. Dawson. To Ryan Keenan, dishes to Mark Matthews, back across to Dan Dawson. Dawson's going to shoot
1: and score! That's an all-time single-season record for Mark Matthews! Most assists by any player ever! Number 84 for Matthews, and how fitting that Dan Dawson is the man to bury and give Matthews the record, and he knew instantly. He grabbed that ball. Congratulations, Mark Matthews!
0: Assist number 84 for Mark Matthews, and it would seal his first-ever National Lacrosse League scoring title as he finished with a career-high 116 points on the season. And he would be followed up by his teammate, Robert Church, who had 107, also a career-high for Robert Church. He crushed his career-high which used to be 92. Four players this year broke the 100-point barrier. Joel Reza Dane Smith, Mark Matthews, and Robert Church. Banesh was close, as was Hellier and Dixon. And the talent pool continues to rise because you go through the top 25 or so, and you see a lot of familiar names, but you see also a lot of young names and some new names in there that just proves that every year the talent pool gets deeper and better. And while it may take some time for somebody to get close to Dane Smith's 137 in an 18-game schedule, we're going to start seeing more guys pushing the 100 and 110-point barrier because the talent is getting so good that it's just the next inevitable phase of the National Cross League is to have frequent 100-point players. Now, the bigger question will be is how often do we see players surpassing the 50-goal plateau? Only one player did it this year, and that was Kevin Crowley. He had 51. Last year, Curtis Dixon was the only player to break the 50-goal barrier. He had 54. The year before that, well, that was the year of the anomaly where Dane Smith dropped 137, and three players, Smith, Dixon, and Sean Evans, all had 50 or more goals. So that may be the benchmark to start setting, whereas we see more players getting to the 100-point mark. The question of how many players will get to the 50-goal mark is a bigger question. But back to Matthews and back to his 84 assists, there was a tweet sent out by, I believe, Graham Perro, as he often does finding unbelievable factoids and the tweet that he put out after mark matthews broke the record was something that i'm not sure a lot of people appreciate through his other twitter account of nll fact of the day perro tweets out josh sanderson set or tied the single season assist record four times in his career 68 in 2002 71 in 05 74 in 2009 and 83 in 2015, which was the current record that he shared with Callum Crawford and Sean Evans. That is freaking unbelievable. To think that he was that dominant, and again, we all know how dominant Josh Sanderson was, but on the level of, that he played consistently... I don't think people, enough people give him credit. Josh Sanderson, one of the all-time greats, a Hall of Famer, and what a segue it is as today, the San Diego Seals announced that Josh Sanderson would be one of their assistant coaches underneath Pat Merrill. He'll be joined by Bill Greer, who is an assistant coach with Merrill with the Six Nations Arrows, and they just created a power staff with the Seals. Merrill is your head coach and GM. Billy Greer will run the back gate. Josh Sanderson will run the front gate and be director of player personnel. Now, when I first heard about this was a few weeks back, and uh, it was confirmed with Govit, but they were just waiting for... Um, the rock season to end before they announced it, just out of respect to Sanderson and his roles with Toronto. But when you look at it, the writing's sort of on the wall when that move gets made, and that was that Josh Sanderson was never going to get the reins in San in sorry, in Toronto as the general manager. He was working in as assistant GM underneath Dowick. He was the GM with the Oakville Rock. He was doing lots of duties away from the rink. However, I always thought that Josh would be a natural fit as the GM for the Rock. But now this move obviously takes away from that. And I just, if you read it, the tea leaves, it kind of would seem like him becoming the GM was never going to happen. So we wanted to try something different. He wanted to be a coach in the National Cross League. Again, Some would say that he would be a natural fit to work the front door for the Rock. Blaine Manning, loved the guy. But the way that offense struggled at times this year, some people thought that maybe Manning wasn't the right man for the job and Shooter should have taken that over. Well, the Rock's loss is the Seals' gain. And so they've rounded out their coaching staff and taken another step to creating their identity for next year. So congratulations to Billy Greer and to Shooter for joining the coaching staff ranks in the National Lacrosse League. And that is a fantastic triumvirate that Steve Govett and Pat Merrill have built down in Southern California. So let's get back to the final weekend of the National Lacrosse League. With everything that happened on Saturday, Toronto losing, Buffalo losing, we knew they were out. So it was down to Georgia, Rochester, and New England, the winner of the Swarm Black Wolves game on Sunday, which was the Twitter game of the week, live from the casino, would claim first overall in the National Lacrosse League East. The loser would have to travel to Rochester to face the Nighthawks in the East semifinals. And having traveled that morning, I think the flight was around 6 a.m. Eastern time, a couple hours north. They get to New England probably early afternoon, late morning. Doubtful they had a shoot-on. They may have. But to the hotel for some food and a nap, you would have expected or wouldn't have blamed the Georgia Swarm if they came out a little flat. And that if New England jumped on them right away. Well, that didn't happen. It was the exact opposite. A 5-1 first quarter saw the Swarm jump out to an early lead, but as they have proven all year long, the New England Black Wolves are a very hard beast to slay. They would score two power play goals in a 6-2 run in the second quarter to get it to 7-7 tied at the half. So maybe the bus and travel legs were starting to catch up to the Swarm, having played a nail-biter against the Vancouver Stealth just less than 24 hours before. But again, the Swarm said nay-no. They would outscore the Black Wolves 9-4 in the second half, running away with things late, and they were led by the reigning NLL MVP.
1: Lyle Thompson off the pick as stops. Not for now. And takes it himself. That trick for the former MVP. 8-7 Georgia.
0: What a shot. You know, that's coming off a big save by Poole on the other end. Thompson, what I like about this shot is it's all rest. Thompson's shooting ability has been on point over the last few years. And this is an offense and a team that everybody should be a little bit worried about. The hottest team going into the playoffs, maybe even a little under the radar, are the Georgia Swarm. At one point, they were five and seven, and people were worried if this team would even make it to the playoffs. They win six straight, go eight and two in their last 10, and they win the East for the second straight year, and they will get a bye and wait for the winner of the Nighthawks and Black Wolves. That is how championship teams close out a season on a doubleheader weekend where, you again, you wouldn't have blamed them if they dropped one of their two games. But this is a team that wants to get back to the finals and wants to win their second championship. I've, if you've noticed that I've been very careful in calling the championship, championship final not the Champions Cup, That's because it's not the Champions Cup anymore, folks. We now have gone through 21 weeks of the National Lacrosse League season. We now know our six competitors for the NLL Cup. We now know that there will be a bye for Saskatchewan and Georgia. But we also know that there is a brand new National Lacrosse League Cup. It was unveiled on Monday, and it has gotten both positive and negative reviews. Most of the reviews have been people complaining or wondering if you can drink out of it because it's a cup. And at the end of a long lacrosse season, the champions get the spoils, and they want to pour beer and champagne and Gatorade and Powerade and muscle milk and everything into that cup, lift it up over their head, and drink it. And so some people were concerned. Is it hollow? Can you drink out of it? It looks more like a trophy than a cup. I jokingly said, if you can't drink out of it, is it actually a cup? Well, according to many who are in the know and involved in the selection process of this new trophy... You can indeed drink out of it. And that was one of their criteria for choosing this new design because they were people who had gone through the process and the ones who had drank out of the old trophy. Going back to the old North American Cup that was for the MILL, we've had a couple different versions. Now we have a new version. And all joking aside about can you drink out of it or can't you drink out of it, there are a lot of people who were unhappy with the change. And I can understand both sides of the argument. Do I like the new trophy? I think it's pretty slick. I don't mind it. It's pretty cool-looking trophy. It's flashy. It's shiny. It goes with Nick Sikiewicz's whole... Um, theme and M.O. of a new design and the new logo and the four corner pillars of the original four teams and the true North Star and all of that. The theme is consistent, and I get that. Did I like the old style of trophy? Maybe. But you know what? So many trophies have been redesigned and new versions have been brought in. And did the old trophy need updating? Sure, it did. Did we get two complete opposite extremes from the old one to the new one? Absolutely. But you know what? Come June whatever, when the final team standings captain stands right next to Sakevich and he gets presented with the trophy and he lifts it up over his head, they're not going to care what it looks like They're just going to know that they are the team that won it. And by the time we get to the 2019 season, we're going to forget all about it. Sure. The design could have been different. They could have kept an actual cup style design. They could have tiered it like the old North Americans cup. They could have had a plat wooden platform like the champions cup. But you know what? The league didn't want to go that way. The league had a theme. The league had an idea. And that's the way they went. You like it. You don't like it. Tough. It's happened. We move on. And like I said, come June, when one of the six remaining captains gets handed the trophy, he's going to lift it over his head with pride, joy, elation. And they're going to fill that thing up over and over again and we'll all forget about the debate so kudos to the national lacrosse league for putting the work in designing a new trophy getting feedback from people of what it should be and what it should look like and so now the battle rages on for the national lacrosse league cup There are six teams left. Four of them go to battle this weekend. The Calgary Roughnecks will take on the Colorado Mammoth. And earlier in the day, I caught up with Roughnecks captain Dan McCray to talk about the game on Saturday. And this has become one of the storied rivalries in the NLL. Everybody knows the record. Calgary has dominated the Mammoth in the postseason. The last time Colorado beat Calgary in a playoff game, April 22nd, 2005, that was the year the Mammoth won the National Lacrosse League Championships. In that game, 18-7 overtime winner off the stick of Brian Langtree. So when Danny and I caught up, he was a little wary if I was going to be a spy or not.
2: And i'm wondering who i'm talking to here am i talking to you know a fellow shamrocks alumni you know, or uh or am i talking to an enemy this week you're just
1: talking to a guy who likes talking across how are things danny Mack?
2: We're doing great buddy how about yourself
1: I- i'm well uh it is playoff season and the roughnecks and the mammoths will renew rivalries how excited are you uh to get the playoffs going
2: yeah it's uh it's a great time of year you know um it's uh it's been a, a long grind of a season, you know. It's starting a little bit earlier, uh, getting going uh, in December there, but uh, it's uh, it feels like you know you've been building up towards this. So uh, to to get this week going is uh, is a great feeling.
1: How much did that throw you guys off starting that much earlier than normal? Um,
2: you know what? I wasn't uh, I wasn't playing that long into the summer myself, but yeah, uh, we had a couple of guys, you know, from the. The Peterborough Lakers there, so you know I think that uh, it might throw a little wrinkle in there, managing some some injuries and uh, just being able to sustain, have your body sustain the length of, of that season and then rolling into the next one. So um, other than that, I mean you're just going out there and doing what you love. So just managing any you know minor injuries and keeping the body in shape. That's about it. But uh, but yeah, it's, it's another fun season lacrosse and uh, feeling lucky to, to still be able to to play at a high level. Minus the loss to Saskatchewan at the end of the year, you guys
1: come into the playoffs uh, on a pretty good heater. How are you feeling about your team's play right now as the Caps in the Roughnecks going in the playoffs?
2: Yeah, we're, uh, we're feeling great, you know, like you said, yeah, it was a loss to Saskatchewan, but there's uh, definitely a lot of positives to, to take out of that. You know, that's uh, one of the, one of the harder barns to play in, uh, in the playoffs uh, or sorry, in, in the NLL there. And uh and, and they're a great team. So uh, to st- to compare ourselves to that team and you know to have a have a good showing, uh, it, it, there's always a lot of, of positives to pull out of that. And then before so we uh, uh, before that game, we thought we were we were getting the ball rolling. Uh, the offense seemed to be uh, on a pretty good click. Uh, defense uh, and goaltending as well just seemed to be uh, coming together and playing as a unit. So um, our goal is you know just try to get better every week um as we were going down the stretch there and as a group we felt like we're doing so so it's uh it's a good feeling leading into into the playoffs
1: obviously as caps and you have a bit of responsibility to keep guys motivated but at this time of year it probably shouldn't be too hard to get guys fired up
2: no definitely not we got a and we got a pretty good mix there uh in the locker room you know we got a we got a lot of pretty uh, fiery emotional guys so uh i mean it makes my job easy it's kind of Kind of just leadership by committee in there, you know. We got we got to mix the a guys that uh, you know have have either won or played in championships before, with you know Dane Dobie and Mike Carnegie, and uh, and then you got uh, a good good influx of, of some young guys that are just having some stellar years with Zach Courier and Holden Catone, uh, Westberg as well. So we've got a good group of you know guys that have, have been there, walk the walk, and then we got some guys that that are just hungry and uh, you know with ball energy out there. So. Um, there's a good mix in the room and guys, you know, being able to shed some light on what it takes and what we need to do to get there and guys that are just willing to go through a wall to do it. So it's uh it's a pretty good feeling in the ring.
1: You talk about that experience level, uh, going into Colorado this week and you guys have had success there in the playoffs one and eight or so you guys are eight and one uh, against the Mammoth in the postseason. What can you build off of that experience or does do those numbers just mean nothing at this point in time?
2: Yeah, it, it's tough, you know. It's uh, to draw similarities. I mean, personnel-wise, there's there's probably not a whole lot of similarities as far as you know the roster that might be going down in there. But um, I mean, to, to say we're not going to you know lean on it by any means, we you know you might be walking in there with a little bit more confidence. Um, you know, it's it's definitely a hard barn to play in. You know, you're packing you know sixteen, seventeen thousand crazy screaming fans in there. Um, it gets uh, it gets rocking, but um, I can say, you know, our group, we're, we're going to be, we won't be intimidated by that by any means. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's good, I think, for our younger guys, you know, um, that may be having their first playoff experience uh, uh, with this group here. So I think that'll be a positive for them. So if anything, we're just going to be, you know, drawing some confidence out of that little extra confidence. But by any means, we won't be, uh, you know, pulling or uh, pulling any slack because of a past record or anything mm-hmm. like that.
1: How's your confidence in your game these days? Being the captain of the team for the first time, you, you look like you're comfortable with the feel in your chest. But defensively, your game seems as strong as ever.
2: Yeah, no, appreciate you saying so. Um, it's it's been yeah a little bit of a feeling out process. Um, you know, trying not to change up too much for myself personally. Uh, mentioned there, we, we're just kind of doing the doing the job by committee. Uh, we have got a good core group of guys. You know that I've I've been with the Roughnecks now for uh, seven eight years, and uh, and there's a lot of guys that. Um, There's a few guys, sorry, that have been there the whole way um uh, that i've been around you know I mentioned Mike, uh Carnegie and Dane doby, Curtis Dixon uh as well greggy Harnett's been there for a long time as well um so i mean i'm I'm not you know the the most vocal guy you know just trying to keep things positive, keep things light when we need to uh but i mean the the room's kind of an open committee for us which uh which kind of brings you know such a great team and family uh um mentality into into our locker room so uh i'm not saying it's hard i'm not saying it's easy but it, you know it hasn't felt uncomfortable by any means the uh, yeah you know the the hardest part in this league is just trying to stay consistent i feel like and the older you get the uh you know the those little lumps and bruises might wear on the body a little <laughs> bit more so trying to uh you know keep on top of those things might be uh might be the most difficult thing um with this group just because of the supporting cast uh that that we have in our locker room so it's been great You talk about vocal leaders.
1: Christian Del Bianco is maybe a quiet leader, especially being between the pipes. How impressed have you been with his maturation process? Just in the last half of this year, he's gotten more comfortable between the pipes.
2: Yeah, it's unbelievable. I can't believe uh, you know he's got another year of junior A, Um, and then there's there's a couple other kids on our team there. uh, Ryan Martell and uh, Anthony Kalanis that are still playing Junior A. It's crazy to see some of these kids step in. Yeah. Um, and then, you know, I might be uh, might be seeing them when I'm coaching uh, in the summer, which is just wild to think of, but, <laughs> right? But, uh, yeah, the confidence that Christian brings uh, into our back end, uh, it, it's pretty crazy, you know? And, and I, I don't think I noticed it until one of the games we're on the bench and you see Del Bianco, you know, beating two or three guys into the corner <laughs> for, for a loose ball. You know, on one hand, you're like, holy smokes, that's awesome. It's You know, it helps out uh, our defensive unit. You know, if if it's late in the 30 or if a team's gotten a reset and, you know, he's been out there 45 seconds, it's hard to get a jump on those loose balls and he's helping with the gas there. Uh, but on the other hand, he's feeling all the loose ball stats out there. So the guys will let him hear it there. But, uh, but no, Trishan's, uh he's brought a lot of energy, excitement, and confidence into our back end, and he's having a stellar year. Uh, you mentioned loose balls.
1: Zach Courier put up 200 in his first year in the National Lacrosse League. Now, I say that he's been benefited by having a great drawman in Tyler Burton, being able to draw balls to him pretty much 80% of the time, right to where Zach's going to be. But when you're out there, how crazy to see how his ability to find loose balls and know
2: where it's going to be. Yeah, it's, uh, it's special. I think somebody in our room said it's like watching, you know, just uh, somebody like a kid playing in the backyard. Like, just some of the stuff that he can pull off. It's like just watching, you know, somebody playing some pickup lacrosse. He's, you know, Mm -hmm. throwing uh, over-the-head rap checks. I don't know how many of those he lands every game. Or, you know, just a one-handed, you know, uh, flick of the wrist, just checking a a ball right out of the guy's stick as he's, uh, you know, chasing him down from behind. Uh, But some of the stuff he can pull off, you know, he's creating cause turnovers out there. Um, You know, he's going into the scrums with guys that probably have, you know, between – 30, 40, maybe fifty pounds on him, and he's the guy coming coming out of there. It's pretty wild, but uh, we try to keep his confident or his uh, his head in check, you know, and uh, <laughs> make sure we let him know he's getting all those loose balls just from dropping passes and having to pick them back up again. <laughs> <laughs> it's easy to pick on guys when they're dropping passes.
1: <laughs> yeah,
2: yeah, it's first year guys. You know, you gotta yeah. gotta try to keep them level at it. Uh,
1: from a, an offensive. Point of view as the captain of the defense and the captain of the offense, you get to see your offense quite often. How impressive is it to see not only the depth that you have, but the unselfishness of that group
2: as well? Yeah, when the when the balance gets going, the floor balance, and the ball starts spinning around, and uh, you know you, you see the middle of the floor open up, and uh, and you know everybody's kind of contributing. It's uh, that's fun to watch, man. When uh, you know guys like uh, Riley Lowen who who's, you know you may not see on the on the statue you know lighting up every night, but when you watch our offense, you know he's the guy that's just grinding in there doing the grunt work when he's chipping in with a couple uh that's huge gets our bench fired up you know Tyler Digby uh would be the same type of role on the other side, mm-hmm. and he's really coming on strong as a late and uh you know whether they're banging inside you know chipping in with goals or or they just just uh, busting their butts to the bench to cut off any transition. Um, we've we've seen a lot of buy-in lately, and you know, guys just really putting in that extra effort and just doing it for the guys beside them. You know, like the, just running to the bench is one of the big factors that we've seen lately. It's it's nothing that's going to show up on the stat sheet. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. It's not it's not a direct indicator of what's going on on the floor, but it's helping out guys uh, that that are that are standing beside you on the bench and. Uh, right now our, our guys are doing that and uh, and that motivates the heck out of uh, the opposite end of the bench so it fires us up to do our job at the back end
1: Is there a little friendly competition between the O and D within that group?
2: Uh, yeah there always is, I don't know if it's uh, it's been quite as as high in, in practices by any means as, as I've seen in uh, past roughneck years Yeah, uh, not as much hacking and whacking but there's always competition every time you're on the floor a couple friendly chirps but uh but it's, it's a fun group to be around man we got a we got a lot of you know a good good mix of, of youth and veterans that that i mentioned earlier and uh it creates a great environment and uh it's one of the the closer groups that that we've had for a while somebody brought up it's uh, starting to feel like the t- uh, group we had in 2014 um when we went on a bit of a run there so uh it's a good feeling right now and uh, we're hoping it's going to continue for uh for a few more weeks here
1: You guys match up quite well with Colorado. It's actually two very even teams from goaltenders, defense transition to offense. What do you think is going to be the difference in this game Saturday night?
2: Yeah, we, uh, I mean, without, um, we haven't been given any game plans or anything like that as of yet, but I know from our past matchups, they got a lot of athletes on the back end and we feel like we do too. And uh, both have potent offenses, like, like you mentioned, so Think who's ever controlling the uh, the ground ball or loose ball battles in between the lines, uh and just sticking out those extra possessions, those will probably be uh coming into play uh down the stretch of the game and uh and I know you uh, Colorado over there they got a pretty deadly power play. So um team that can be the most disciplined and mentally strong uh is gonna be giving the giving their team a, a heck of an advantage. So that's gonna be a big focus point for us. You
1: weren't gonna give me any
2: insight anyway, were you? No, not at all. That was a, <laughs> a really easy one, <laughs>
1: Danny, it's always a pleasure, my man. Uh, The Roughnecks are playing great lacrosse, as always, and I'll be excited for another Roughnecks-Mammoth matchup on Saturday night. Appreciate your time. Dave travels to Denver, and we'll see you at the Pepsi Center.
0: Thanks, Dave. Appreciate it. There's Dan McCray, captain of the Calgary Roughnecks. Calgary at Colorado, Saturday, 7.30 p.m. will be your face-off mountain time, 9.30 Pacific, 6.30, out here on the West Coast. I'll have the call along with Jamie Shuechuck and hope he hopefully John Gallant will join us. He was doing some coaching on the past weekend, so we didn't have him in the booth with us or even between the benches. So It was just Shuey and I calling the Rock and the Mammoth. But we will have it live for you on Altitude TV, NLL TV will have the game as well, and I believe Twitter. But that's just one of the games, and that's the second game of the playoffs, and. I'm going to go out on a limb and say Colorado wins that game. Dylan Ward will stand tall. The transition will be fantastic, and the offense will find a way inside that Calgary defense and a way past Christian Del Bianco. But I truly am looking forward to that contest because Calgary and Colorado, um, just a wonderful rivalry. And it's going to be my first time calling a playoff game between those two teams. And if you've ever Gone back and watched some of the old games between these two clubs in the playoffs. They always have dramatic finishes. Overtimes, last-second goals, controversy, and you know it's going to be heated between Coyle and Miloski. The two teams do not like each other, and both are itching to get at it on Saturday. But Friday night, we have a very tasty matchup Between the Nighthawks and the New England Black Wolves, 7.30 Eastern Time, 4.30 Pacific. 5.30 for you in the Mountain Time Zone, all my Denver folks out there. And that game will be maybe even more interesting than the Calgary-Colorado game for the simple fact that New England beat Rochester all three times this year. And as we know, that's not an easy task at all. As The Nighthawks are one of the best teams in the National Cross League. But for some reason, Glenn Clark and his coaching staff just seem to have the Nighthawks number. And they're going to need that number one more time if they hope to advance to the East Final against the Georgia Swarm and get a little redemption from the game this past weekend. And so we caught up with Dan McCray with Calgary. This time we're going to go to New England. Actually, more specific, Ottawa, Ontario, and catch up with Callum Crawford. And when I was able to get a hold of Callum, he was doing a little golfing. And for the first time in podcast history, we could have one of the first live golf swings ever. And we'll get to it. But when we first started our conversation, amongst the wind, we were talking about how excited he was to go toe-to-toe with the Rochester Nighthawks.
3: Super excited. You know, you set goal every season and it starts with playoffs, right? You can't look past playoffs and that's the goal and we met that. Second goal was to clinch first. We we fell a little short there. Uh, thought we did a good job last weekend battling back to give ourselves a chance and then, you know, kind of came out flat in the second half. But uh, all that matters is, you know, we start winning. We go uh, a win this weekend, follow it up next weekend and kind yeah. of dance, right? So huge game, uh, great team we're about to play against. But excited, you know, anytime you get to the playoffs, it's uh, it, it, you can't take it for granted in this league, right? So it's exciting.
1: You guys have won three of four down the stretch. That confidence has to bode well going uh, up against a team like Rochester where you've beaten three times this year.
3: Yeah, for sure. I think, again, it just shows how close this league is, right? Everybody yeah. in the East could have made playoffs. Everybody's good. Um, anybody can win any given night. and When it comes to playoff time, you've got to be the best that you've
1: you've been all year. Aaron Bold has started to find his game as the season's wound down. Um, how much of a key is he going head-to-head with Matt Vince?
3: Oh, Goaltending is the key to everything, right? Having good goaltending. You don't win without good goaltending, and Aaron has given us that chance to win. Uh, so it was on us as a, a, a offense to kind of meet his job and how well the defense played the last few weeks. I think we've started to help Kevin Crowley a little bit, which mm-hmm. is good. The more we can continue to do that, uh, the more we'll have chances of I don't think anybody's concerned about how Aaron's going to
1: play. I think uh, he's proven over his course of career how good he is. He's just showing it with this team. How much is that wind affecting your golf game today, Cal? Not at all.
3: I'm not good enough that the win actually matters. I just <laughs> have to see which way it's going. If it's going with me, I club down. If it's going against me, yeah, I club up. Well, at least you know the basics. Yeah, that's pretty much it. Left
1: and right, though, I'm messed there because I can't control that part of it. But you can control uh, your ability on the crossbow. One of the best uh, underneath moves in the game. Uh, since you've come to the Black Wolves, how much have you enjoyed playing with Kevin Crowley?
3: It's fun. I've enjoyed...
1: That offense in general, but, you know, Kevin is
3: an unbelievable goal scorer. I think he's one of the best at ever seen in a goal scorer. He does some things that you're just like, wow, anytime he shoots the ball, you're confident it's going to go in, and it doesn't matter from where on the floor. Uh, trying to help him continue to do that has been kind of my focus. Uh, mm-hmm. So not coming in here and trying to be the focal point, but be a, an addition to his success and, and Bucky's success on that right side. So it's been fun mesmerizing at times how whatever he shoots just goes in. Uh, but it, it's it's fun to watch, and thank God he's on our side, no doubt.
1: Um, when you were traded from Colorado to Buffalo, uh, you and I talked, and and you had kind of thought that there might be something down the pipe that there might be a trade going on. You weren't really sure, but you kind of had a feeling. When you got traded from Buffalo to New England, was there any sort of idea that, that might happen? Uh, I didn't know it was going to happen when it did. I heard rumors that it was going to happen
3: when it I got traded from Colorado, actually. Yeah. you are not done moving yet because, you know, this league is so tight. Everybody talks to everybody. Rumors fly. Mm-hmm. I had heard from somebody that I was going to get traded out of Colorado that I was getting shopped around before it even happened. So, uh, you know, it didn't come out as big of a surprise there. This one came as a surprise. I didn't think – I've never traded mid-season. I yeah. didn't think it was going to happen mid-season, but uh, it did. I guess both teams felt they had a need for something – different and uh it happened I wasn't angry I was excited for the opportunity Black Wolves were a team that I heavily heavily considered in in free agency so yeah um I wasn't wasn't upset at all I uh, I didn't choose to go to Buffalo yeah. uh I never thought I was going to be a bandit I really enjoyed my time there I think that organization is first class the coaching was was awesome there's incredible players there uh I never thought I'd have a chance to wear that jersey and I did it was you know an honor uh, but you know, the next step was the Black Wolves, and I'm really excited that uh, that I got done here. Are you excited about
1: expansion? Yeah,
3: for sure. There's the, the the old citizen, senior citizen in me that says, "Hey, longer career, more teams." <laughs> yeah, um, yeah. <laughs> but there's just where this league's gonna go, right? I think the more we expand, the more exposure of this sport and how incredible the Boston version of this game is to United States, The more people get to see it. And it, there's a big difference between box lacrosse and indoor lacrosse. I think mm-hmm. indoor is what people in the U.S. have been exposed to, and that was just field lacrosse inside, which is not box lacrosse. Mm-hmm. Now more and more markets are going to see actual box lacrosse and how incredible this game is, and that is exciting, because I think it's going to make the sport grow at the youth level in the United States. Yeah. And it's going to get people excited to want to play it, and it's going to create, uh, hopefully, an opportunity for my kids or my grandkids if they choose to play lacrosse for an actual a career that they can pursue. I think that's exciting.
1: How's the uh, Ottawa Capital Act stuff going on? You're still heavily involved with that?
3: Yep, yeah, so still running that program. It's great. Uh, just added a pretty awesome partnership here to, with this company called the uh, Sports Training Academy, which gives us a home base to uh, nice. operate year-round when the snow's here and, and we can train our athletes off the floor, on the floor, on the field, all that type of stuff. So that's been great. Just plugging away, right? Kids are doing a great job and getting themselves into uh, NCAA University. We're just helping give them a little extra help through the exposure.
1: Uh, fans out west, was was that you that just hit that drive? Where'd it go? Right or no, left? No, that was my buddy. It went right down the pipe, though. Oh, know see, now you're now you're in trouble because now you have to go live on oh, speakerphone and then let's do this shot. What do we got? What have we, got? Oh, what have we, buddy, what I we looking at? Par putt on speakerphone already. <laughs>
3: on speaker what are we looking at? Par five. No, you did one-handed par putt actually.
1: Nice.
3: Not a usual either.
1: Not usual. <laughs> Callum Crawford, are you righty or a lefty?
3: I'm a righty. I'm getting ready to do this for you guys live.
1: And this is definitely
3: reachable if I get a hold of it.
1: Crawford on the tee box going for it. Can he get it there? Takes a couple practice swings. Oh, no practice swings.
0: No practice
1: swings. Never. Oh. It's, it's, it's got a chance, Teddy. It's got
3: a score. I might have put it on the green. I'm not even kidding.
1: Okay, it. we're going we're gonna to need video or we're going to need a photo evidence of this, video evidence, video for after.
3: after. I love it. It's not ball potentially. It's not saying it is, but from where we're standing, have a chance. It's got a good roll,
1: yeah. If it's got a good roll, this is live podcasting Here's at its, its finest into the hill. Um, So let's kind of refocus back to the game with Rochester. They're obviously a team uh, that is playing quite well, a uh, very big and physical defense. What do you guys have to do to get inside and attack Matt? Vince? We got to listen to our coaching. We have game plan and we, uh, the more we stick to it, the more good things
3: happen. When we kind of get away from it, we start doing our own thing. We kind of die down and, and don't accomplish much. So, Uh, Tracy steers us the right way, and I think it's shown the last few games when we've stuck to what he's asked of us and what he's drawn up, good things have happened. Uh, we need to continue that. If we can do that, you know, his his game plan gets us to good spots to shoot on an incredible goaltender and a very strong defense. So, the more we stick to, uh, the game plan, I think some good success can happen for us.
1: Is it weird, or not weird, but how cool has it been that your last three old coaches have been Chris Gill, John Tavares, and Tracy Koleskis? Oh, yeah. You know,
3: I think that's one of the great parts of this league. The majority of the coaches were great players at one point in their career. Uh, these guys were some guys that I actually got to play against. Um, yeah, so, so that is fun to play with. I got to play with Tracy my rookie year. And, uh, yeah, it, it's special. They've have endless amounts of knowledge, and I don't think anybody can ever look at them and be like, yeah, well, you couldn't do it, right? I think that's a huge asset to have as a coach, that when the guys you're you're speaking to or leading uh, know you did it just as good, if not better, than they did, and those guys all did it better than us, so.
1: How much does it mean to you to, to be a part of this club and getting to the playoffs and a chance uh, at a Champions Cup? Uh, lots, lots,
3: lots, lots. They gave up a ton to get me. I mean, they gave up one of the best players to ever play in this league to get me, uh, and I want to hopefully, you know, show them that it was a good idea and that, you know, it wasn't a, a bad investment. So, I'm very motivated, hopefully I can help continue to have uh, gotten better since, since I got here, and they've kind of done that all season. Um, as an offense, we, we've been gelling, and you can tell that at so first and going play
1: together and then slowly and slowly. And Hopefully we can do that and I can just be a part of uh, the success and club. My friend, I-, I-, I wish you the best of luck. We all look forward to the video of you showing us where your drive is. Uh, and good luck Friday against the NADOC, buddy. Wish you all the best.
3: Thank you very much. I can see it right now. I'm about like three feet off the front of the green and it's a front pin. I'm just saying. Okay, it was pretty well- good.
1: Let's just – we'll take a picture and we'll see if you can make that eagle shot, buddy. All
0: right. Thanks, buddy. That's Callum Crawford live from a golf course in Ottawa. Um, Update. I will be uploading the video that he sent me of where his drive was. He did almost drive the green. I still don't know how long the hole was. It could have been like 280 yards. But he says it's a 343-yard hole. So he almost drove the green. But an update – He made par. He chunked his chip and got up and down. Not a good result, as he texted me. But hey, par's a par's a par, as they say in the game of golf. Uh, Great chatting with Callum Crawford. And it's interesting to hear his take on the trade uh, that sent him from Buffalo to New England. Um, As we kind of mentioned while we were talking, during the offseason, he had heard some rumblings that he was possibly going to be traded uh, by the Colorado Mammoth. They were going to move him. And he'd just been hearing rumors and he heard her hearing that it was a done deal. And then finally it was this time around. It was kind of out of the blue and it caught all of us by surprise. Uh, just go back and, and look at some of the the tweets and the articles that were written when that trade was first made. Nobody knew that trade was going to happen. And Callum wants to prove his team and his management group, Rich Lisk and company, that they made the right move in bringing him in and giving up Sean Evans. And he's loving his situation with Kevin Crowley and, and Kyle Buchanan. That offense is starting to find a bit of a rhythm. And Aaron Bold is playing some unbelievable lacrosse in that back end. And that's really helped the New England Blackwells find an identity late in this season. They were playing some good lacrosse going into that final game, unfortunately, Came up on a losing end of the stick and finished third. we Will now have to go to Rochester. Take the difficult road to the National Across League Cup final. But it's doable. They've had Rochester's number this year. They've beat him three times. And they just need to do one more time to advance to the East finals. So a few more things before we get you out of here. That's kind of the setup. For the playoffs, the first round, one game and done in both the semifinals and divisional finals. And then we get the two of three in the National Cross League Cup Finals. I guess we can just call it the NLL Cup, right? We don't have to say the full name. So the NLL Cup Finals, we can do that. Hashtag NLL Cup. Actually, I think they're using it already. So what I just said is nothing new. Regardless, uh, Friday, Saturday. Those are your two games. It is going to be electric, both in Rochester and in Colorado. But we have to move on to some other things because this is a full-time lacrosse show. We talk about everything. I mentioned um, off the top just all the different lacrosse that's going around, around right now. Um, the Al tournament was, once again, another success. Uh, I'm going to try to get Marty O'Neill on the show um, in the next couple of weeks. I know he was out there. I'm sure Stamper, when he comes back, he's going to have a full report um, on Box beat about everything that went down there. He was doing some work with Lax All-Stars and broadcasting games. Shout-out to Lax All-Stars, who were um, live feeding all of the games from the Al Shabeski. Um, Shout-out to the Tel Aviv Stars who won it. Uh, Chad Culp was on their team. And you just the amount of teams that are there from just all over is... Impressive. What I like most are some of the jerseys that these these teams wear. They're true European jerseys. Like when you see European hockey teams, they just have wild, outrageous jerseys. The teams that go to the AHM, they're incredible jerseys. Like bright color patches everywhere, cool logos, and they do a great job with that tournament. Still on my bucket list of places to go, but There was a video that circulated around early Saturday morning, maybe late Friday night. And it was of former National Lacrosse leaguer Gavin Prout absolutely pummeling some poor kid. And I believe in that tournament you're not allowed to fight, but you might be able to. Again, never played there, so I don't know truly know the rules. If it's international rules and you can't fight, you're tossed. Or if it's just straight-up box rules, you fight, you only get five. Not really sure. But anyway... All you see is Prouder and somebody else from the Green Gales holding on to a guy. And Prouder's got the kid by the face mask and finally rips his bucket off. And I think he lands about eight or nine shots to this kid. From uppercuts to jabs to overhands. Kudos to the kid to not turtle and just go right to the ground. And we don't really know what started the whole incident. But Prouder... Never lets up. It doesn't matter if it's a memorial tournament playing against a kid who maybe have only been playing the game for a few years or if it's the NLL, he is 100% on all the time. And he absolutely laid into this kid, and I just couldn't stop laughing. Poor kid, obviously, but it's just Prouder being Prouder. He wears alligator or snake skin shoes for the ALL championship game, then goes right to the Al and pummels some kid. Don't ever change, Gavin. Please. And if you're looking for maybe a head coach or GM or maybe someone to be on your bench, I think Gavin Prout would be a fantastic person for that role. Just saying. One final note before we get out of here, and it is news that shook the lacrosse world again. Far too often do we have to have these Moments of remembrance. But Les Wingrove passed away early Saturday morning at his home in Coquitlam. And what is being called a heart attack. And it is just horrible news. I said it on the Altitude broadcast. There are so many people on the West Coast that grew up on the mainland that were impacted by Les Wingrove. So many of us on Vancouver Island and Victoria were impacted by Chris Hall. Les Wingrove was the Chris Hall of the mainland. He was a huge part of lacrosse in Greater Vancouver. Sure, most of his time was spent with the Coquitlam Madnacs in helping that organization become one of the best in Canada during the 90s and early 2000s. He did some work with the Colorado Mammoth as a scout. Um, He moved over in his later years to help out with the Langley Thunder. Um, he, He has helped inspire and motivate and grow so many young men in the game of lacrosse right now that you could go up and down rosters and find players that were coached or helped out by less. He always had time to talk to you. He was always willing to share a lacrosse story. He was always up to date on everything that was going on in the lacrosse world. And he was just one of the nicest, most genuine, humble human beings I have ever met. Being an island guy, our rivalries with Coquitlam were storied. And Les was always the enemy. But when you got him in an outside setting, just the softest caring person. Wanted to know about you or your family, how your parents were doing. And just always cared about supporting the game and making the next generation better than the current one. Our thoughts and prayers go out to his wife, Joanne, and his son, Craig and the entire Wingrove family. The Midget A1 team that I coach will be at the Trevor Wingrove Memorial Tournament um, in a couple months. Trevor was Les' son, who passed away years ago. And I think that tournament will mean a lot more this year to everybody that will be there. And I think it will be with heavy hearts to not see him around because Les was always there. Les loved minor lacrosse. And he loved the tournament that was named after his late son. And I'm sure going to miss him. And I know other people are as well. But I know he's up there hanging with Terry Sanderson and Chris Hall and all the late great lacrosse names that we've lost in recent memory. We'll miss you less. It won't be the same without you. Godspeed. That will do it for another edition of the Off the Crossbar Lacrosse Show. My name has been Teddy Jenner. Thank you to Dan McCray, and thank you to Callum Crawford for stopping by and giving us some time. We are into the playoffs. One-game semifinal. Who do you got? Nighthawks and Black Wolves, Mammoth and Roughnecks. We'll have a full recap of the weekend's action and break it all down for you and set you up for the divisional finals next week. Until then, you know what I'm gonna say be excellent to each other.